Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is March 1st, 2022, and this is episode 51. I'm your co-host Pete, and with me as always is my good friend Howell. Hey, buddy. Hey, Pete. What's <laughs> going on? Anything Anything happening in the world? Not a whole lot. It's been kind of boring. No. I mean, ever since Trump left yeah. office, it's gotten like, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, I can't think of I can't yeah. think of one thing, one thing that's gone wrong, huh? One thing that has yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I have not really been paying too much attention to. I've been pretty busy, and um, as you know, I can and I'll reveal to our loyal listeners, I had COVID again. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> just I, I think I tested positive a week from Monday. So I it's I'm I'm fine now, but like you look good. just a lot. Well, um, just starting to get my my full vim and vigor back. Um, Did you lose taste taste and smell again? No. Okay. This time it this time it just felt like the like a light flu for about twenty four thirty six hours. Yeah. Um, and just kind of like lethargic for you know a couple of days. And yeah. then I was back at it. Um, but this time the whole family got it. My son got it first. We tested him with a uh, rapid test and then we took him to get a PCR and the, and the nurse said, Oh, he had a, he tested positive with a rapid test. And we said, yes. And she goes, Oh, well then he has it. And she's like, and you're all probably, and you're all probably going to get it. Go like, oh, great. <laughs> um, and sure. Sure enough. Yeah. Sure enough. That happened. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Other than that, other than, you know, being on the brink of World War Three, if things are nice around around here, like the weather's been nice and mm-hmm. Chicago lifted its mask or Illinois lifted its mask mandate as well as Chicago. So yep. kind of trending in the right direction locally, but not internationally. But anyway. Well I do, well, I do what, love the what's going uh, on with you. I do love the meme or the tweet that's been going around that is uh, congratulations on surviving a pandemic. Your reward is World War Three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If if anyone wonders what we're going to be talking about today, but I mean, we did we did. It's I know it's been like a month since uh, we last chatted. Yeah. Um, but again, I said a lot's been going on. Um, but we did tease the Ukraine uh, thing last time we spoke. Yeah. Um, of course, I think I predicted that I thought Putin was bluffing, but um, I guess I guess yeah. I was proven wrong. That's why yeah. I was never in the in the prediction business, or yeah. why my sports betting account keeps going down. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that in a bit. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. And yeah, and the other news was uh, just finished the State of the Union address, uh, one hour and two minutes. Um, you did not watch. I watched. I did not watch. I regret watching. What do you what do you, what do you have watching. to tell us about the the State of the Union address? I, I'm making a a wanking motion um, <laughs> for you watching. Just I I Thanks. I don't watch any Thanks. State of the I don't watch any State of the Unions. I think it's long on platitudes and short on yeah. spe- specifics and action or anything that actually gets done. And I just think it's the worst of politics. But um, I know. I know you watch, so do you have any any thoughts? I mean, the speech itself, like, I think I said this, the content of the speech was was fine. The delivery was terrible. I'm sorry, just Joe Biden 
sucks at giving speeches like that. Not because he's not because of, you know, he's he he's incapable. It's just that he constantly went off script. He tried to throw in things and comments in between, you know, breaths and it didn't work and he ended up slurring his words. He called the Ukrainian people Iranian at one point. Uh, he lost his train of thought. He had zero transitions from issue to issue. It would it was very abrupt every single time. Um, it was just a poorly poorly delivered speech. I mean, like I said, the content was fine. The policies, whatever. You know, it's it was the same old crap. Just another day. Um, you know, where Democrats cheered and jumped out of their seats every two seconds, and Republicans sat there, you know, with a, you know a grimaced look on their face. Was there um, any booing? Uh, funny you should say that. So our two favorite Congresswomen ever, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. Um, <laughs> so at one point, uh, uh, Biden tried to talk about, he actually ha- had really strong points about defending the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, apparently, you could hear it in the background, but it got snuffed out real quick. Apparently, she started to tr- she tried to start a chant of build the wall and apparently her own colleagues around her told her to shut the fuck up and sit down. <laughs> like other congressmen? The other Republican congressmen like, just <laughs> looked at her and said, sit down. And uh, you could hear it. And as he said it, you could hear somebody trying to start a, a chant. of a con- And I didn't realize it was her until I went on Twitter. And somebody was like, that was Marjorie Taylor Greene being told to sit down by her Republican colleagues as she tried to start a chant of build the wall. <laughs> um. And then at the end, uh, Biden was trying to go through like four bipartisan things that we that the Congress and he could do right now. And one of them had to do with um, uh, this burn pit legislation. I don't don't understand the details of it, but it's about how in in combat zones, you know, I don't know. I, I think it has to do with when you're burning, you know in latrines i don't know i don't know what the hell this stuff this is but anyway comprehensive legislation to get veterans who have been exposed to burn pits and other toxins yes. the health care and benefits they've earned and deserve yes and he said so, of course he brought up brain cancer and of course that led to him bringing up his son who died of brain cancer but also served in iraq and kosovo and um he said something about funerals or something like that and Bobert tried to say, yeah, 13 of them in Afghanistan, at which point Republican colleague, I, I, get, I don't know where she was going with it, but apparently Republican colleague, she started to be booed by the Democrats because she was trying to over, you know, yell over him. Mm-hmm. But um, it was reported that the Republicans sitting next to her also told her to shut up <laughs> and to keep her mouth shut. Um, I think that those two plus Paul Gosar tied in with the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar both gave remarks at a white supremacist rally right. during CPAC over the weekend. I think the rest of the caucus is finally a little sick of their shit um, and weren't going to put up with it. Um, Marjorie yeah. Taylor Greene actually gave live remarks at that conference. Paul Gosar just gave a pre-recorded uh, video, um, but either way. Um, so that's well, that was the only really bad stuff he he did get booed when he tried to when biden tried to talk about the the tax cut bill under trump and quite frankly he got a lot of it wrong and actually factcheck.org was very quick on twitter with explaining why his numbers were wrong and why he misrepresented Mm. what the effect of the tax cuts 
um, of the Trump tax. That partisan, code. that partisan organization, factcheck.org. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that you know, when he, they were fact checking Trump, they were a bunch of uh, Democrat enablers. But yeah. now they're fact checking uh, a Democrat president. Well, it sounds like they just gave us our. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene crazy of the week. So yeah. uh, we, yes. we, we've got that segment out of the, out of the way. Yeah. I will um, say the opening that he had, since we're going to segue into Ukraine, he, you know, he spent the first like 10, 15 minutes of the speech, just talking about Ukraine and, and Putin and the, and everything. And, uh, we, us, the, how he's going to order the FAA, FAA to close us airspace to any incoming, uh, Russian jets, uh, commercial mm-hmm. jets and, and, and military too, I assume. Um, which point, which is following the, which really does kind of follow what a lot of other countries in Europe have already done, closing their airspace to to commercial uh, Russian planes and all that. Um, and then he talked about how he was going to open up the strategic oil reserve to try to offset uh, the increase in the price of gas based on this whole this whole uh, situation, mm-hmm. um, which I think is not going to achieve what he wants at the end of the day. But whatever. Well, it's certainly not going to make much of a dent in oil and gas prices. No, no, exactly. It's, That's it's, what I mean. It's more of I, I would guess it's more of a symbolic thing to say mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm so. doing what I can to. And he had the U.S. Uh, he had the U.S. Uh, or the Ukrainian ambassador to the U.S. was actually sitting with uh, with his wife with Joe Biden with, with First Lady Jill Biden. Uh, and uh, well. It, Everybody was everybody was wearing you know Ukrainian flag pins and they all had Ukrainian flags in the in the, in the gallery and in the audience. Um, yeah, so like I said, like the content of the speech was fine. The delivery was just god awful. And what drove me nuts is I watched uh, kind of the ABC News coverage and the CNN coverage afterwards, and all the Democratic consultants were like, "What an amazing speech! It was so great." I'm like, like as far as the State of the Union speech goes, it was fine. I would never call it great. And the delivery alone made it almost incomprehensible at, at times because you didn't know what he was talking about because he kept on going off script. He kept on trying to throw in these weird anecdotes that nobody really understood where he was going with. And for a man <clears throat> who has a speech impediment, um, he spoke so fast that it caused him to just garble everything for at, at certain points. Um, but like I said, the content was fine. But the, yeah. It's almost as if... At someone who's been gaff prone and right. mediocre at speaking for his whole career, uh, kept that up. Yep. And, so, and I think he's getting he's getting a pass. You, I think from a lot of people just based on that alone. You can't uh, you can't dress up, put lipstick on a pig, right? So um, David Axelrod actually had a bunch of not they were critical, but they weren't like. And he's still. I mean, David Axelrod is Obama's you know advisor, right. so it's not like it's overly critical but he did have like some points like that point like uh i forget what exactly he was referencing but he mentioned that some of the things that that biden was saying didn't really hit home properly because of the way it was delivered and and all that so check out axelrod's uh twitter feed if you want to see what i'm talking about uh i'm scrolling through twitter now to see some of the Matthew Iglesias, did Bobert really decide the optimal time for heckling was when Biden was talking about cancer-stricken war veterans? Yeah. Yeah. I saw that tweet. Um, that's awesome. I think yeah. I like that tweet. Um, oh, yeah. That's what. That's why I see yeah, Peter Photos liked. Uh, well, um, awesome. yeah. I, I, that all sounds pretty surprising and um, not, not, uh, nothing too out of the ordinary. I, I just hate the heckling. That's the heckling has become, uh, 
somewhat commonplace or attempts at heckling have become somewhat commonplace and they do they do the um the speech in in the house right they do it in the house yes yeah in the house chamber yeah which is you know the most used to be the sort of most formal place to conduct business right it's much more formal than the senate is that am i am i right in that assessment formal how like more rules more um i just always thought the senate was a little bit more like good old boysy like kind of guys hanging around and and the house had a lot more process and and formality about it no um, i think it's the other way around oh really? yeah yeah because i've never I been mean, on either floor so i mean in the senate the senate like the senators have their own desks and the house right. floor there's no designated place to sit like during the state of the union one side is typically reserved for democrats the other side is reserved for republicans but i mean yeah i mean i i as a staffer could go sit on the house floor and sit in one of those chairs whereas mm-hmm. in the senate if i even came near a desk i would get shooed away by capitol police um I, for some reason i thought because there were more members of the house that like they had kind of maybe more rules and more stuff going on than the, yeah. the, the Senate. But okay. Yeah. Which no, shows what I know. There's, this is why we have this podcast. So people yeah, there's way more process and, okay. and um, way more process rules uh, in the Senate than in the house for sure. Regardless, neither place is a place for heckling. Um, no, no, definitely. I, you know, but it seems like that's become, um, I mean, I think I can't recall specifically Democrats heckling Trump, but they certainly, were gave him uh uh chilly reception um but i think it's mostly the ones i can recall started with the guy from was he south carolina who said you lied to wilson to 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 obama yeah Um, there was two things that i thought one of that i wanted to mention too that so uh biden of course recognized justice Breyer for retiring and Breyer was in the chamber he's one of the justices in the chamber tonight and he Breyer was legitimately like touched for being called out in the state of the union. And he was like, you know, had his hand on his chest, like to his heart saying, thank you. And he got mm-hmm. a little giddy by it. And, uh, and immediately people on Twitter, were like that should be a gif. And within like one second, it was, it was. so look for it. It's <laughs> hilarious. He, he looks like a little schoolgirl, like so excited, like that he got called out in the state of the union. Um, it's, it was very cute. And then the other <laughs> one is of course, Pelosi, I can't stand Nancy Pelosi. I just can't. But watching mm-hmm. her watch a Democratic president give a State of the Union, her she can't wipe the smile off her face, and it's such a fucking shit-eating grin that I can't. I just I can't watch it. And I I said it during while we we're watching the city. My wife was like, "Why do you hate her so much?" I was like, "I just do." Like, <laughs> look at her. Look at her face. Like she can't contain herself, and she got she got would smile and clap even at like the most inappropriate times. It was just very weird. Um, so if you see any, uh, video of her, she just has this giddy look on her face, even though Biden's not talking about necessarily something that's, you know, particularly important or significant. She's just like, she can't sit and she stands up and then she sits back down. It was weird. But anyway, well, let's talk about Ukraine. Let's talk about Ukraine. Let's do it. So have Um, you, have you, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're a foreign policy guy. So yeah. You know, yeah, and you, well, I got you, it wrong you, before. Well, you've said from the outset that you thought this was a bluff. Um, 
I, I mean, I as a person who, I mean, I started out my career on the Hill in foreign policy, but then moved to, to healthcare and, and domestic issues. So my foreign policy is nothing. Um, um, as of 2002, I don't know anything about foreign policy, but I still don't 100% understand why I get, I get Putin has always resented the fact, resented the fall of the Soviet empire and has always wanted to try and get that back in some way. But why now? Why at this moment? Like, do you have, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, why now? Well, I, I say think... that because he's been, pre- he's been president before then he was, uh, pr- not prime minister or premier for, the time between he was president to when he became president again. Yeah. And now he's passed a law where he can run for two more terms as president. So he could be, you know, potentially be president of Russia until like 2036 or something like that. So he's been in this um, position before and he's probably had the opportunity. I mean, he, he went after Crimea in 2014, right after the Sochi Olympics. Mm-hmm. Why stop there? Why, why did he, why the seven year gap or whatever, eight year gap um, from then to now? Well, I mean, I think if you think of Putin as having two goals, first being he is kind of a a modern day czar, right? Sure. He thinks of himself as that, and he is somewhat of a savior for the, the Russian people. And then the other goal, and this is, we know this from, you know, leaked Russian documents or intelligence that... He is one of his stated goals of Russia is to destabilize um, democracy abroad. Right. Uh, And I think you could make the argument that this right after Donald Trump's uh, presidency, that America is very fractured and um, democracy is perhaps – as fragile as it's been in a long time, I'm not saying it's going away, but it's, it certainly has some fragility about it in America, um, as well as, uh, abroad. I mean, look at Canada, um, look at, you know, the rise of far right parties in Germany, Italy that are, Mm -hmm. um, creating a destabilizing or at least some sort of disruption within democratic systems, uh, sympathy for authoritarian maybe tactics within that um, this could be a moment that where you know all of those things are in place and Putin's goal is was always has always been to uh, remove the threat of NATO from his borders right and that this, would be a time where he could have potentially success in doing that, given all that is going on in other countries. Right. Um, uh, you know, I did, I don't know. I, I I think I said this on the last podcast that um, while I thought he was bluffing, I don't pretend to be able to get into the mindset of a wannabe modern day czar authoritarian. And so, uh, I can't say that that is for sure, but I think that there, 
are it's a it's a it's been building up to this and i don't and i think the people who are trying to say it's one it's either biden's fault or it's trump's fault are simplifying the matter right. it's it's biden's fault it's trump's fault it's obama's fault it's you know bush's fault for overextending us like this right. is not this is not the um the fault of any one action or one administration. This is a, an American fault, uh, as well as um, perhaps the EU uh, focusing on things it shouldn't be focusing on, um, or maybe not not saying they shouldn't focus on them, but maybe you know things like uh, the EU thinking that they'll be fine having getting their energy from Russia is yeah. is something that um, in hindsight kind of looks. Uh, maybe a little naive and yeah. abandoning abandoning nuclear power plants. Um, yeah. So it's it's a moment where perhaps he saw that if I don't do it now, things are probably. I mean, they they. I'm guessing you know he saw Biden come into office. There's efforts to try and tone down things and and um, the election uh, the election of. Uh, the Scholes and is it Scholes in Germany? Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I think maybe he saw that there was a, a, maybe a return to maybe a more traditional way of these countries operating and that due to the instability that now was the time to, to do this. Um, uh, so I, I, that's just my guess. I don't know if you have yeah. any thoughts on that. Um, uh, and we can take it from any number of ways here. I do think um, it has become clear that through the first near week of this, that it hasn't gone so far how he anticipated it would. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he thought the Ukraine would quickly abandon its posts and and probably they could just roll through the country and, and occupy it and and play and replace Zelensky with a, a puppet regime. And that's clear that that's not happened or going to happen. And that doesn't mean that he still can't achieve occupation and, and, and overcome Ukraine. But, um, I think he has mis miscalculated at first, which, you know, I, I'm not surprised because, you know, in an authoritarian regime, you tell, and I think Marco Rubio actually got some grief for this, but you know, there's a lot of yes men, and everything's fine, right. sir. Right. In, in authoritarian dreams, yes, that sounds like a great plan. Yeah. Um, uh, so you know, it's not a total surprise to me. Uh, Russian army is, I heard today, they're believed to be running out of few full fuel and food. Um, Six uh, days in. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> So I don't know what to think. I, 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 I mean, I, 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 I think it's horrific what's happening. And I've been listening to some of the reporting from the Ukraine and, you know, it, some of the resolve and it's, it's just amazing to me, but it, I think it's going to get worse. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't, I, I, it makes me, makes me sad. Yeah, I think it's certainly turned into a debacle. Um, but <clears throat> you hit on something that I've thought about too: is you know, can can this be pinned on any one administration for, um, 
you know, I've been listening to Trump talk the last couple of days, like not, this wouldn't happen on my watch. <laughs> and, you know, John Bolton, I think was, he was on, I think he went on like Newsmax or something, one of like the far, far right uh, channels mm-hmm. and was like, I think he says something effective that Trump couldn't find Ukraine it on a barely map. knew where Ukraine yeah, was. And on it's a map. not accurate. Yeah. It's not accurate that somehow he deterred, he could deter the Russians <laughs> from doing anything. Um, I bet that made Newsmax's people's head explode. Um, <laughs> So, you know, yeah, I, I think back to, I think back to the, 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 just the chorus of, of politicians and, you know, not to, not to pin anything on George W. Bush, but when he said he could see Putin's soul in his eyes (laughs) and of course, you know, my old boss McCain said, I I saw three things in his eyes, K, G, and B, (laughs) um, you know, I think there's. You can't trust. He's a psychopath. I mean, in a way that people were afraid that Trump was a psychopath, and um, <clears throat> just Putin had the balls to actually act on it. <laughs> um, yeah, which blows my mind because we keep on seeing rallies of these far right groups and you know so called conservatives that are cheering Russia on, seem to be cheering Russia on, and as if it's not a bad thing to want to do take over a sovereign country for with no real reason for doing so um and this is the the cancer that has infected uh the republican party and you know we're starting to we're seeing pushback because obviously i think the mainstream republican party is is with the people of ukraine and and obviously against putin and russia but there's those elements that are still in there um you know we already mentioned marjorie taylor green and you know i just and and it's exactly it's exactly play it's playing exactly into putin's hands too (laughs) it's what he wants um you know i think that the thing about the you know i think i saw hugh hewitt tweet something about the 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 mainstream media is going to have a hard time explaining why putin invaded crimea in 2014 nothing happened from 2017 to 2000 20 and then he invaded ukraine in 2021 insinuating that donald trump deterred right. putin from doing anything and essentially to rebut if you if you feel that that's not the case or that you know there was other things going on that led to that you're essentially being asked to prove something that didn't happen right. which you can't do so it's a stupid debate to have in the yeah. first place um you know and and Hugh Hewitt is smart enough to know that 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 is not a uh, yeah. a real conversation that matters. It's simply a political point scoring effort, um, and he doesn't care because, as he said, he doesn't talk about January sixth on his podcast because his listeners don't want to hear about it or talk about right. it. Um, but I think that the idea of sc- point scoring or um during all of this is is sickening to me um and i think you hear you've seen people like romney and liz cheney kind of say the right things and it doesn't mean you yeah. can't criticize what president bush has done looking i would say uh president bush president biden has done i would say that as a realist myself they probably should have put more sanctions on Russia quicker. Sure. Um, yeah. And, but at the same time, 
knowing what we know now, I don't think that would have stopped Putin. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have done that. Um, I think there was a fear that they wanted, or that the the sort of dovish diploma, diplomacy that they thought they we needed to hold something back so that we don't um, antagonize them and lead them to this war. Well, looking back now, they probably were going to do it no matter what you did. That still doesn't mean we shouldn't have done it. So I think there were things we could have been um, uh, pressing the, the European Union, NATO earlier to get in line and make these threats as well yeah. regarding um, energy. Uh, and so I, I think there's there's room for criticizing the administration's handling of this. At the same time, I think you've also seen in about a matter of a week a complete change in NATO in the future. And Putin has done yeah. exactly the opposite of what he intended right. to do. He wanted to break up NATO. Right. Um, now and Finland now and Sweden got- <laughs> want to join. Right. Ukraine went on TV and signed their papers to join. Now, like Germany has pledged to up its defense spend or its NATO spending. Germany, um, who, who has been a pacifist country since World War II, is now rearming and ready to get to work. Right. It's, right. it's an amazing sea change in a matter of, of six days. So I think long term, Putin has put things in a direction that he did not want nor intend. Short term, that still doesn't mean short term, there's a huge risk in how he handles yeah. this next couple yeah. of weeks or or months. I mean, um, it's kind of, I mean, t- the the thought of like having flashes of like, well, what do we do in a nuclear blast type situation? Like, I thought we were past that. Um, but here we are. And what if Putin uses a nuke? What right. do we do? Like, do... I mean, I think we have to nuke them um, it, if that, that happens, because yeah. if not, what have we what have we agreed to let happen? Um, yeah. Which then what happens then? You know, it's uh, um, and is he crazy enough to to nu- to use nukes? I don't know. I mean, have you thought about this or do you have any thoughts on like what what do you? what do you think is going to happen over the next couple of weeks or how, how's he going to play this out? I, I, I think he, I think at first in the, on, at least from, from the onset thought it was going to be like Belarus. I mean, Belarus is, is considered a client state for Russia. And maybe he thought that Ukraine could end up being the same way. And so he clearly underestimated the difference between countries like Belarus, which has a basically a puppet regime that's only you know loyal to Russia. Um, Whereas Ukraine is not that. Ukraine is led by a Jewish comedic actor who is now probably the most popular politician on the fucking planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, who is literally walking the streets looking to fight. Like, it's amazing to me. He's got the mayor of of Kiev. Kiev or Kiev? I thought it was Kiev. Did we change the pronunciation? So, so would you like to know the background? I would, I would, I would love to know the background. Kiev, real quick. Kiev is how it was referred to under the Soviet Union. Ah, Soviet breakup. Got it. They the Ukrainians ref, refer to it as Kiev. Okay. So that that signifies they are not part of the Soviet Union. Anymore. Got it. Thank you. So whatever, call it whatever you want. I'm gonna call it. Kiev. Just, I will call it Kiev then. Okay. Fuck Kiev. Okay. We're gonna call it Kiev. 
um, you know, the Mayor Kiev. He's the former heavyweight champion of the world, boxing yes. champion of the world, and he's like roaming the streets with a freaking yes. AK forty seven. And his brother, and who his I think brother. wasn't like, his brother the one who uh, who was married to Hayden Panettiere. Yes, yes, um, he was. yeah, he was. That's right. Yeah. But right. it's like, like yeah. these are these are not people to mess with, clearly. And I mean, I, I've I've heard all this like I've heard like in comedic movies and, and films and stuff like you never mess with the Ukrainian mafia; they're worse than the Russians. Well, clearly Ukrainians <laughs> don't don't take shit. Um, yeah, but I think as far as nuclear, we- I mean, I think Putin is crazy enough to use nuclear weapons. Um, will he? I, I don't know. I think at that point, there's got to be. Oh man, I don't know. Is there somebody that's within his inner circle? That yeah, can, right. Can that's a good pull, question. Pull back on the leash and say, if you do this, Moscow is going to be leveled mm-hmm. by every other nuclear power in the world. Because literally everybody, with the exception, I mean, China's been sort of lukewarm, <coughs> trending towards cold towards, or to, trending towards cold with Russia in the last couple of days. But I think every nuclear power, with the exception of China, will probably go ahead and start aiming shit at St. Petersburg, mm-hmm. Moscow, and a few other cities um, in the event that he were to, were to do that. Um, he's already threatened to use that granddaddy of all bombs, the one that we used in Afghanistan, the bunker busters, that actually mm-hmm. explode before hitting the ground so that the force actually implodes things mm-hmm. um, and creates massive craters. Uh, he's already threatened to use those. I don't know if he's actually, I don't think he's used them yet, but. Um, I mean, clearly he doesn't care about civilians. He's been firing rockets into freaking apartment home, apartment buildings in all the major cities, you know, for the past six mm-hmm. days. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what his inner circle looks like, whether or not there's somebody there who, who can rein him in without, you know, putting their own life yeah. in danger. I think it's, I, I, I think it's nuts. I, well, I do wonder if there's anyone there who, if he gives the order for a nuclear strike, yeah. if they're, if they have a, a crew to be like, no, we're not doing that. You're done. You're out. Yeah. Military coup. We're going to, you know, I don't know. I, I, I hope that there's someone there that doesn't want to die enough that, um, um, but it's, that, a, that would be the case. But did he all, but I mean, I, I have hope because of the thousands upon thousands of people who have been arrested for protesting what yeah. he's been doing. Russians have been arrested protesting yeah. what this government has done. Um, and that's not even, you know, times 10, the amount of people who are protesting, but he's arresting thousands upon thousands of, of dissidents and protesters, uh, which is, if that isn't a wake up call, I don't know what is for a lot of the, a lot of the world. This is and, not the Russian think, people perpetrating this. This is a madman no. that runs a government that happens to run the government uh, is perpetrating this. Right. And, I think um, it's been inspiring to watch the Ukrainian people. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I've asked myself, would the American people act the same way at this point if, if yeah. something like this happened? Know. You know, 20 years ago, probably yes. But today, I'm not so sure. Um, but to see, you know, ordinary men and even like Miss Ukraine, uh, yeah. you know, g- grabbing uh, – assault rifles and manning the manning the streets of Kiev to defend their country. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, the, the president in fatigues, like yep. look w- literally. And I, I mean, I, it's, I thought about like how much longer is this guy going to be around and how much, and 
do you know, do you know, like what it must be like to live thinking you could die at any moment? Um, um, and, uh, but I, I, I think, I do think that Putin has overextended himself, um, miscalculated to some degree. Uh, it doesn't mean that he may not just go scorched earth and, and, um, take over Ukraine by any means possible. But think about it. What's that going to lead? Everything's going to remain in place that people, that the sanctions and the limitations that, uh, multinational countries, uh, sports leagues, um, uh, Russian internally, Russians are going to have nothing. They're, they're not, they're to travel. I mean, think about if they want to come to the U S will they have to like take a train to China and then fly a Chinese plane to, um, like they, they can't use their MasterCard. Or their visa. Well, there's um, a there's a picture that popped up on Twitter, and I don't know if it's been verified yet, but apparently there was a mass, there was a mob of people at a met, at a Moscow metro station who couldn't get uh-huh. through the turnstiles because Apple Pay and Google Play have been disabled. <laughs> yeah, and right. They, and it's it's like it caused create like mass confusion. I don't know if it's been verified that that's actually what was happening, but that's what the tweet was saying was happening. I mean, this is the ultimate cancel culture moment. Uh, yeah and totally. uh and i think but for the right reasons right not for some something yeah, silly yeah, yeah. um and it's it, it you know we've we've under undercutting or i guess underpinning the idea of globalism and interconnectivity is that we would have these non physical non war levers to pull to influence activity mm-hmm. global activity and it just requires the amount, the right amount of diplomacy and influence and soft power to do that. And I think you've seen um, it's not just the U.S. doing this. I mean, the U.S. is 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 involved, but it's the Western world. It's it's um, enlightened countries who are um, uh, using this system that's been put in place to hopefully squeeze Russia. And, and I don't know how long, um, Putin can, can hold it, hold it that way. Um, so, you know, as long as we can avoid world war three, which is an if, um, I, I, I don't think in the long run, this is sustainable for Putin and Russia. So, which is good. Taking that into account. So let's say things, kind of progress the way that they have in the last six days and, and Putin ends up pulling out or, or whatever. Who's, who's the winner. So I, I, I always think about, you know, the USA chance all the time where the USA is not the winner here. Obviously the winner, the apex mountain is, is, is Ukraine is the Ukrainian yes. people and the Ukraine president Zelensky, president Zelensky. Like I said, he is probably the biggest rock star politician on the planet right now. Um, Who's who's number two? Who's behind him? I mean, because a lot of countries. Germany. You think Germany? They. You wouldn't give it. To, last... You wouldn't give it to NATO as as an organization. You'd give it. To, you'd give it to Germany. No, because I still think, I I, I still think NATO is limited in its um, purpose. Okay. Um, but Germany has kind of seized the moment in yeah. the last week, um, and. Uh, 
with a new uh, <clears throat> is it prime minister? Why am I blanking on chancellor? It's not prime chancellor. That's right. Yeah. Um, and this new uh, the new policies on energy and and everything. I think they would be the ones that kind of sees that mantle mm-hmm. and um, really can shape things moving forward. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, That's an interesting thought. Uh, I like that. I, certainly not France. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, it's not England. Um, well, it's not the U S I mean, no, no at all. I mean, I don't even uh, know if the U S is in the top five to be honest. Um, and and that's not a bad thing. I'm not. That's not like a knock against Biden or, or anything. It's, it is what it is. I think there's a there's certainly you know toying. You're playing with um, war fatigue in this country. You know how we got out of Afghanistan. Setting that aside, the fact that that lasted as long as it did, and and the the fear of committing troops, which of course nobody's even talked about. That's not really on the table at all. But the other winner, the other winner, could be Taiwan. If, uh, oh, that's if, actually a really good dynamic. I didn't um, think about that. Uh, and again, it it would. Does this make does this whole situation make China nervous because of that? Because of Taiwan? You know, I don't. I I, I don't know. China's a different beast because yeah. they have the world's second largest economy. Russia does not, and yeah. so it would be a lot harder to impact these type sanctions on a China. And the uh, Taiwan situation would be much, probably much more likely to be uh, go kinetic. Um, But I think one thing China has seen is the swift global uh, response. Yeah. And that has to worry them. So I think, um, and there's, you know, I think, I think that could be another angle for second winter. But I think that's it's been mentioned, I think, as sort of like a sub bullet and never really I don't think it's ever been I don't think I haven't heard anybody dive deeply into the the how how this all relates to China and Taiwan. And is that the logical next thing to happen? And does this give China the Chinese uh, government pause? But it's certainly something that's worth uh, talking about. I mean, you certainly hear it the other way from the GOP point scorers, which is. China's watching Taiwan's next, you know, that's sure. The, that's the slippery slope argument they like to use to, to blame Biden and, and the Democrats for their handling of this. Um, again, I'm not interested in, in any of that. Um, but which is but, funny because it, it, democratic and Republican administrations alike have tiptoed around the Taiwan issue for yes. decades, for decades. Nobody has the upper hand in that strategic ambiguity. Yeah. And, and, and it's that's why I find that so, so disingenuous when they try and do those points when there's those just that type of point scoring because it's all bullshit. But before we go, did you happen to see Elise Stefanik? How do you hear her name? Um, her her Twitter post about the her thoughts on the crisis in Ukraine. I didn't see what she posted, but I saw what. Uh, Alex Vindman's wife responded to her with, but what did oh, she say? Okay, um, let me see if I can. I didn't read Elise Stefanik's uh, tweet. Elise uh, Stefanik, who has disappointed me greatly over the last several months since she's 
Here we go. Taking over for Liz Cheney. So this is how it starts. After just one year of a weak, feckless, and unfit president of the United States and commander-in-chief, the world is less safe. Rather than peace through strength, we are witnessing Joe Biden's foreign policy of war through weakness. For the past year, our adversaries around the world have been assessing and measuring Joe Biden's leadership on the world stage, and he has abysmally failed on every metric. Blah, blah. It goes on like that. Mm -hmm. Afghanistan, blah, blah. Then she says, I join the American people in praying for the safety of innocent Ukrainians as they endure unwarranted and unjustified invasion by a gutless, bloodthirsty, authoritarian dictator. Vladimir Putin is a war criminal and deranged thug. We must stand with democracies under assault. Um, so, and then she goes on to say something about we need swift and devastating action to cripple the economy. Why was that whole first paragraph necessary? <laughs> like, uh, the second, if you had taken the second and third paragraphs, that sounds like what Mitt Romney said. Right. Why was, why, why was the, where, why are we where we are, where that first paragraph feels like they, it needs to be necessary? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Did you, it 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 really makes me upset. Yeah. That well, and the funny thing is that that was never her mo until the last six months when she moved into so she became third in command. Yeah, until she became Republican leadership, and she's bec- and yeah, you're the conference chairwoman or chairperson, and you're supposed to be sort of the the public affairs or public relations piece of the of the pie in the leadership, but still, that doesn't mean you can't temper what you have to say and be reasonable. And there's plenty of time to have that conversation and blame Biden through uh, um, the election cycle as it comes up. Yeah. Why do you have to do it in your initial comments about, um, I, I just, I think it, it comes off as they almost want the Ukraine to fall so they can blame Biden. Yes. And yeah, that's what it, that's exactly what it is. And yeah. that's disgusting to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's all I have to say. No arguments from here. Just quick side note. Did you see that there's a kid, there's a freshman, I don't know what school he's at, uh, what, what university he's at, but he started a Twitter page that tracks all the private jets of all the Russian oligarchs in the world. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> so you see know where that. they are at any given moment. <laughs> I think it's amazing. That's it's, good to know. I, I can't remember what the name of the Twitter handle is, but it's. It, I saw an article about it and just laughed my ass off. I thought it was hilarious because these guys are it's all been, scared. Yeah, it's been interesting to see a traditional old school war in modern communication times. Yeah, you know yep. what's real on Twitter. What's um, you know? Well, because like said, the, people, the tra- enemy... people tracking oligarchs. Well, the enemy, it's not like its not like with us in Iraq or us in Afghanistan where you're basically attacking, you know, I hate to put it this way, but <coughs> medi- medieval Back countries, you yes. know, mm-hmm. or countries that are, you know, decades behind the rest of the world in terms of modern mm-hmm. you know, amenities and technology. So that's why, that's what really does make this super, super interesting. Um, but I mean, we have, the owner of the, of the Brooklyn Nets is a Russian oligarch, like, how does this affect? Owner I mean, of Chelsea I'm sorry, some, is a Russian yeah. Oligarch. Owner of Chelsea, yeah. and like all these guys are all these sports leagues, and I know that FIFA's already banned Russia from from the World Cup this year, but um, they're all going to have to answer for this for this shit too. 
because they're culpable in some way. They've made all their money off the backs of the of the you know mm-hmm. the goodwill of Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. Um, God only knows how much in kickbacks that man has received since nobody can track all of his uh, his holdings. Right. right. It's just right. I, I don't know. This is going to be. I don't. I don't see how this ends well for Russia. No, I I agree. That's the. That's I the, agree. But, but there's all. But but because of the nuclear question and right. like how far are they willing to take it? That's those. That's doesn't end well for anyone. It doesn't end well for anybody. But <laughs> yeah. it certainly doesn't end well for Russia. Uh, it certainly right. doesn't end well for Putin. Yeah, anyway. I think that's where. If you're trying to make sense of it, and be like, how could you not see? how this would not end well for Russia. I think when you are Putin and you live in a bubble that you get told this was going to happen, this will happen, blah, blah, blah. You can be led astray. And I think he did not plan for this. And now he has to figure out a way that he can get out of this in some sort of, uh, acceptable manner. Yeah. Um, without getting killed by his own people or um, yeah. So, and then, then when that happens, you get a desperate man and anything could happen. So um, did you see the one like sign at, in Berlin that was like, Hey Putin, can you save us all the, all all, some time and go ahead and kill yourself in the bunker, (laughs) in your bunker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, just all of the political Hitler. cartoons of basically morphing Vladimir Putin into into Hitler's face is yeah, yeah. it's there's a lot of them. <laughs> anyway, well, right. I was gonna I was gonna see if we want to talk about our new Supreme Court nominee, but maybe we can hold off until the next one. Um, when the war's over, the war's over. She starts her yeah. meetings on the Hill, I think, tomorrow. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it was today. I forget, but um, uh, it'll be. I don't know if it's going to be that interesting of a fight. I think it'll be definitely a partisan vote in some way shape or form and maybe one or two republicans will cross over but um, yeah i say 54 to 46 okay that's yeah. i was gonna i was gonna say maybe 52 48 okay so everybody's giving Lindsey graham grief he's not upset about her he's upset that his choice wasn't picked hmm. um okay. the 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 uh the circuit judge from uh, south carolina is who he wanted uh, same person that James Clyburn wanted, but anyway. Mm. All right. Uh, anywho, uh, you into anything right now? Um, getting healthy. Yes. Uh, so I saw. I think I told you I saw the Killers in December, mm-hmm. and um, there was a band that opened up. It's called A Girl in Red. Okay. It's actually. It's actually just. Um really just a, a female singer songwriter, but she had a whole band with her. Um, and I really liked her and the band in concert. So I listened to their stuff on Spotify and I've been listening to a girl in red um, pretty regularly. It's one of the, the albums I've put on repeat. Um, you know, I don't do that very often these days with Spotify. In yeah. fact, I've listened. I didn't even do that with Eddie Vedder's new album. Um, I know you. I know you like it, but um, I, do. I this, this. I would much rather listen to a Girl in Red's album than Eddie Vedder's album at this point. Um, and so, she released an album in 2021 that it was on some like Pace type publications as 
uh, you know, one of the best albums of 2021. But if you just go to Spotify and listen to the This Is The Girl In Red uh, mix, that's a good, that's good too. It has all the songs, but Which yeah, I, I really, really like that. What about yourself? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Eddie Vedder's record. I, uh, yeah, I'm listening to it only because, I mean, I just don't really have anything else to listen to or haven't found anything else. Well, so now you I'm have something. Happy. Now I do. So uh, I do like Eddie's new record. I think uh, the band that he put together is awesome. I think the songs are better than the last two or three Pearl Jam records. Um, but the rumor is that Pearl Jam is going to be working with the same producer that Eddie used on his solo record. So maybe that'll that'll bring oh. out some new sound, new new songs, new thoughts. Um, that'll make the next Pearl Jam record really, really good. Um, I've been into uh, intermittent fasting, which is something I've been meaning to talk to you about lately. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stick it out. I don't know if it's, if it's having, <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's, I've been doing it. It's fine. It, it basically what it all comes down to is that I don't eat after six and, yeah. and I don't eat again until 10 a.m. the next morning, which is, uh-huh. doesn't seem A-lot that time. hard at the end of the day because it's as long as I drink water and I'm basically just cutting out the snacking after I eat dinner mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it just I don't know I just don't know if it if it suits me um, but that's something I've been meaning to talk to you about um, so I'm going to say that I'm still into it because I'm still trying it I'm still trying to do it that's this I think that's the first repeat what you're into on this because uh, I is. was into that that was one of the, like the early on podcast that's what yeah. you were into I believe that was one with Mayo because I think he had done it before. Um, are you so you're doing the sixteen eight version? Yes. yes. Okay. Because that was like the not quite beginner, but not definitely mm-hmm. not like hardcore. Right. It's like kind of where you where you only eat for two hours a day or whatever, yeah. or you don't eat for three days or whatever it is, and then um, yeah, some of those are pretty crazy. Not eating breakfast is not a new concept to me. I've, I've never been a big breakfast eater anyway. I mean, I have my cup of coffee in the morning and maybe I'll have like a, uh, like maybe an egg or, Mm -hmm. but it's not a normal thing. So waiting until lunch to eat or waiting until after 10 AM is not much of a stretch. What was hard, what's hard is not to snack like while I'm watching TV or while I'm, you know, whatever, doing whatever I'm doing after dinner. I feel you. I don't do it anymore. I do it. I'll do it every sometimes, but very rarely. Um, well, it's because I went to the doc. I did my had my physical last week and got all my blood work back, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> it didn't look very good. <laughs> High cholesterol. So, yeah, yeah, my cholesterol's too. Or me. blood pressure. Uh, no, my blood pressure is actually right on the border, but it's fine. Um, I get anxiety every time I have my blood pressure taken, so that that factors into it. But he, when I explain that to my new doctor, because I have a new physician now. Um, he was like, so are you pre hypertension? Sorry, we're veering into old, not old politics old. and old bros, um, <laughs> territory. <laughs> that's very true. If anyone's listening, uh, I am, I am veering into that. That's okay. Okay. We're uh, and we're both into Ozark. We which was, had a great first definitely. half of this you, second last season. Do you have HBO max? I do. You need to watch peacemaker. Okay. Oh, it's, is that the? It's the. Um, I know what it is. It's the okay. the DC it's Comics uh, Justice yeah. League. Uh, but John Cena. Yeah. It's yeah. It's hilarious. Okay. It's uh, like the, it story, the story. Like what they're trying. Like the. I watched. I watched the whole season in a matter of a week. But um, the story is like fine. But it's actually John Cena is actually super super entertaining and really really funny. Okay. Um. So I I think you should check it out. So check out Peacemaker on HBO Max. Will do. 
Cool, man. Well, I hope you uh, have a good rest of the week, and um, I know you're off on vacation with your lovely wife. I hope you guys have a great uh, time, sans children. Hopefully, and, I'm in Mexico when the nuclear war breaks out, and uh, um, <laughs> send a postcard yeah. if we're if we're yeah. on a sheet of glass here in uh, <laughs> here in Chicago. All right. Follow us well, at uh, on Twitter at Bros Politics, and listen to us wherever you get your wherever you get your podcasts. All the major outlets. I'm not going to list them off. Um, and until then, we're going to go to a casino this year. No masks, no it's vaccine cards. It's happening. It's happening. Have a good night, buddy. Good night. Good night.